0: And welcome to the Explaining History podcast. And today I want to talk um, a little bit uh, about the policies towards the new Bolshevik state that the British, French, and uh, Americans had. Uh, obviously, all three were involved in a, an intervention in the Russian Civil War, but domestic concerns at home really shaped how this one played out. This happened, uh, the in- intervention in Russia uh, happened uh, overlaps with the Paris Peace Conference. And one of the the big three at the Paris Peace Conference, Georges Clemenceau, had direct experience of revolutionary politics. He had been one of the uh, the moderate Republican delegates during the Paris Commune, and he'd seen, in his eyes, the the, the violence and bloodshed of the creation of a a kind of a a worker's state, a worker's polity, even if that had simply been in Paris itself. So he was no lover of communism and had um, more reason to have deeper anxieties about it than either um, Wilson or David Lloyd George. French resources in 1919 were limited. There were a small number of French soldiers in Russia... Uh, at the end of the war, the uh, way that um the intervention in Russia was divided up uh, was that France had the responsibility for the southern Ukraine and the Crimea, and um the Britain uh, had a uh, responsibility for occupying the Caucasus and central Asia. Um, this was a, a very kind of loose commitment often it meant simply supporting. Uh, forces, uh, anti-Bolshevik forces on the ground, white armies and local nationalist movements. French General Louis Franchet uh said, um, I do not have uh, enough forces to settle into this country, all the more so since it would not appeal to our men to experience Russia in winter when all their comrades are resting. This was a serious consideration in both Britain and France, the fact that After four years of trench warfare, both armies were uh, unlikely to embrace further conflict that could last for years, um, that could be another military quagmire, and there was little enthusiasm for further fighting on the civilian front. Margaret Macmillan writes, um, as one French officer reported, not one French soldier who had saved his head at Verdun and the fields of the Marne will consent to losing it on the fields of Russia. In April 1919, the French authorities abruptly gave up uh, what was becoming a debacle and hastily pulled out, abandoning Odessa and its people to uh, the Bolsheviks. Civilians lined the waterfront, vainly begging the French to take them with them. A smaller French expedition left the Crimean port of Sebastopol in somewhat better order, taking with it some 40,000 Russians, including the mother of the murdered Tsar. Two weeks later, the French Black Sea Fleet mutinied. You can see from the writings of Louis-Georges and Clemenceau and other senior uh, diplomats and politicians from both Britain and France at this site, the acute fear of contagion, the idea that this workers' revolution would spread, that it would infect not just the British and the French labour force, but the armies as well. There was perhaps less chance of this happening than either side thought, but often uh, events are determined not by realities but by anxieties. Not only was there limited desire to become involved in Russia from the uh, armies of France and Great Britain, but also when there were plans to uh, put together legions of emigre Russians in prisoner of war camps in Germany, and a coalition of new Eastern European states such as Poland and Czechoslovakia and perhaps even Romania and Greece, there was little enthusiasm for for that either, Um, European memory being long enough to remember the last invasion of Russia in 1812. So the policy instead of invading and destroying Bolshevism was to quarantine it. And here you get the idea of the cordon sanitaire uh, emerging. Uh, France's objectives at the Paris Peace Conference uh, became focused uh, not just on its own defence, but the defence of Europe by uh, creating states such as uh, Poland and uh, Czechoslovakia, Um, to prevent the the spread of communism westwards, cordon sanitaire being an old medieval term about how to isolate particular villages that were affected by the plague. This was useful um, to the French as well because it it presented a counterweight to German power in the east. It stopped the two pariah states of Europe, Germany and Bolshevik Russia, from being able to uh, connect with one another, as finally and faithfully they do in August 1939 with the Nazi-Soviet Pact. Churchill was prescient um, when he also uh, suggested that there might be a Japanese contingent to a future uh, uh, Bolshevik-German friendship. He said, uh, in the ultimate result... We could contemplate a predatory confederation stretching from the Rhine to Yokohama, menacing the vital interests of the British Empire in India and elsewhere, menacing indeed the future of the world. Clemenceau, in looking to isolate the Bolshevik regime, um, said to Lloyd George, we should continue to keep an eye on them, surrounding them, as it were, by barbed wire entanglement and spending no money and this was an important consideration in 1919 not only were britain and france bankrupt and desperate to uh, recoup their losses from a destitute germany in order to repay war loans to the united states of america but the weight burden on british taxpayers particularly throughout the war had been acute britain had been uh, a relatively low tax state Uh, In 1914, if you read um, A.J.P. Taylor's history of uh, Britain, or he calls it history of England, but it's really history of Britain, um, from 1914 to 1945, the first point that he he makes in the book is that in 1914, before the war, the state had relatively low level of incursions on the life of citizens uh, in terms of taxation and uh, the regulation of the individual. So after the Defence of the Realm Act, this all changed um, you know, from heavy taxes to a ban on flying kites for uh, espionage purposes. Anyway, the, the British had spent something like £100 million already by mid-1919 on intervening in Russia. Not only could they uh, ill afford this, but they, it was very difficult to explain to the British taxpayer what on earth the point of all this was, um, and it was very difficult to explain to the British taxpayer that they were trying to save the Russian people from a state run by the workers, supposedly, obviously, The the Bolsheviks are largely anything but workers, but they are trying to save the Russian people from a a workers' state where the workers are in charge of things. To many workers in Great Britain, this seems like an ideal state of affairs. When France uh, admitted that it could no longer afford the cost of intervening in Russia, it put additional pressure on the British government to cut its losses as well. How much How much will France give, um, inquired Lloyd George. Uh, I am sure she cannot afford to pay. I'm sure we cannot. Will America bear the expense? Pin them down to the cost of any scheme before sanctioning it. And here we have the beginnings of um, an Anglo-American tradition that would come to its height during the Second World War um, of the, the British now looking at uh, looking far more threadbare in their ability to finance things and looking across the Atlantic for the answer. The thing about Lloyd George and where he differs from Churchill is that in 1919, Lloyd George was being circumspect and saying, you know, before you know how much to ask the Americans for, work out whether A, they'll pay for it, B, um, they can afford it and C, how much it costs. Winston Churchill in 1940... Has no such qualms in presenting America with large bills and saying, "Look, pay for it." Well, I, I, I need, I, I need. This is what I need. Um, and his assumptions are really quite different from uh, Lloyd George's, uh, as are the circumstances, obviously. Another consideration was the fact that much of the money being sent to the white Russians was being frittered away. Um, the equipment was being lost in disastrous uh, and poorly thought through campaigns. Um, much of it was being stolen. Uh, Lenin wrote to the British to thank them for the new rifles and uniforms that the Bolshevik armies were now wearing. And there were The kinds of misappropriations of uniforms, equipment, uh, and even antifreeze for tanks and trucks um, that you would imagine in an incredibly impoverished country. One picture that we have to perhaps move away from a little bit is the idea that uh, was propagated by the Bolsheviks, that this was capitalism's best effort, that they were the plucky defenders' of the revolution under siege from the forces of capitalism uh, and um, everything was thrown at them and capitalism lost. Well, the reality was that uh, there were a number of key anti-communist ideologues who uh, saw the, the struggle between not simply capitalism and communism, but uh, what would be loosely thought of by people like Churchill as civilization and communism. Um, a number of those ideologues at play. But the British and French and the Americans don't throw everything that they have at the revolution, and the, um, the outcome might have been substantially different if, if they had done. There was relatively weak allied help that's inconsistent and that peters out when it looks like the white cause is lost. And the um, struggle to overthrow the Bolsheviks is muddled, contradictory. The aims are unclear. There is what we would now call mission creep um, as the, uh, uh, the objectives shift towards actually getting rid of the Bolsheviks. And it looks increasingly clear that the British and the French had very little understanding, very little knowledge of who their allies actually were, what their allies were capable of, and what their political and ideological limitations were. One of the main failings of the white armies is that they don't create a compelling picture of a future Russia for the the peasants and and the workers. Uh, They simply uh, omit to... Say very much, but their general cruelty towards uh, the population, towards ordinary soldiers, strongly indicates that it'll be back to business as usual, either with a czar or a military dictator, but certainly with the the general stretches of uh, the Russian class system in place. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombuscom slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is not a very attractive proposition, and certainly the uh, majority of the population who are peasants are interested in land reform. Or more to the point, being able to hold on to the land that they've already seized in the chaos of the uh, revolutionary year of 1917. All they want now is a government in Russia that will uh, retrospectively act and legalize the uh, land seizures that the peasants have already undertaken. The Bolsheviks say that they will do this, however, as we know, Lenin was already uh, considering or working towards um, collectivization uh, at this point, anyway. Uh, something that uh, Stalin brings to its uh, conclusion in the early 1930s. So not only were there uh, mixed feelings about the whites, but also mixed intentions as far as Russia went. Uh, American troops lingered in Russia towards to the end of the Civil War, in part to uh, negate Japanese advances in Siberia, um, the the French and the British had always been at odds over Russia. The French saw the Russians, even though you have a reasonably democratic republic uh, and an autocracy before the war, as counterweights to Germany. Um, the French and the Russians, um, after uh, the end of the Bismarckian system, uh, after 1892, uh, um, so were in alliance with one another, and presented Germany with the impalatable prospect of a, a war on to France. The British had always looked at, with great suspicion on Russia, seeing as it, uh, it as a threat to British India. And whilst the French would have um, hoped to have restored the um, the whites in Russia... The British could perhaps have coped with uh, Russia white or red as long as it is weak, much as the, uh, the way that the, the British looked upon the Ottoman Empire before the First World War of uh, not being particularly favourable to an Islamic empire in Europe, but thinking that it had its advantages um, as a weak empire. It hadn't completely collapsed, allowing Russia to sweep southwards, but it was weak enough to keep the Ru- it's just about strong enough to keep the Russians out, but weak enough for it to be pliable uh, to um, Britain and other Western powers. French bankers had invested heavily in Russia before the First World War, and the debts that Russia owed to French banks were considerable. These had been wiped out by the October Revolution. And investors in French banks that ranged from the uh, the elites of French society, the super wealthy, all the way down to the the French bourgeoisie, the, the middle classes, uh, had an interest in overthrowing the Bolsheviks and restoring the um, uh, the power of a czar or the Russian ruling classes. Had they managed to do this, then they may well have stood a chance of getting their money back. And the British were suspicious that they would be used as a vehicle for helping to achieve this, British soldiers uh, fighting and dying for French investors. So the alliance between the French and the British was, uh, over the subject of Russia, a shaky one. Then again, that said, if you look at the infighting between the French and the British during any of the wars that they have uh, allied together in there has been a kind of an equivalent degree of overall mistrust. The French didn't want a Bolshevik delegation coming to Paris. It was important to Clemenceau to keep the the inheritors, the heirs of the Paris Commune, as Lenin saw himself, out of Paris itself. Uh, The uh, country France was... Riven with revolutionary tensions in 1919, as a result of the war, and really memories of the Paris Commune were not in in a not too distant past. So it was um, desirable not to have the Bolsheviks visiting. Wilson therefore said, "Well, why don't we uh, go and stage an away meeting from the Paris Peace Conference closer to Russia uh, itself, perhaps Poland, maybe." Wilson was uh, quite wise in stating that uh, the British and the French, um, well, particularly the French, Lloyd George was quite amenable to speaking to the Bolsheviks, but particularly the French, as long as the French vetoed talks, the Bolsheviks would still be able to communicate to the peoples of France, Britain and other Western countries, by the medium of propaganda, and it would be all the more convincing based on uh, France's intransigence. Clemenceau countered this, though, and said, if you start to talk to Lenin and the Bolsheviks, it will give them credibility. It will demonstrate to the world that they are the official mouthpieces of the the new Bolshevik state uh, of Russia, and they speak for Russia, and that people will therefore take them seriously as a result. When Louis George asked the question of Clemenceau, how many troops could the uh, French, the British and the Americans between them provide and uh, guarantee. And the answer in terms of actual concrete guarantees to Russia was none. Whilst there were troops in Russia, their continued presence in there was by no means uh, a, a guaranteed. Uh, the uh, And certainly there were no additional troops to go. The die was cast for approaching the Bolsheviks for negotiations. Wilson and Lloyd George uh, drew up a, a draft uh, invitation to the uh, Bolsheviks, essentially saying that the Allies had um, a desire to help the Russian people and that there was uh, going to be uh, a meeting that the Bolsheviks would be invited to to end uh, conflict in Russia. And the venue for this would be the island of Prinkipo in the Sea of Marmara, um, these were a uh, close enough to uh, Russia between the Mediterranean and the Black Sea, and had been a haunt for um, the wealthy middle classes of the Ottoman Empire. The message was sent out by shortwave radio, and there is little evidence as to the uh, initial reactions, both Lenin and Trotsky in the early phases of Um, the uh, aftermath of uh, October 1917, uh, believed that, uh, initially, that um, the state in the uh, new uh, revolutionary Russia would dissolve and they would be uh, responsible for that in uh, Lenin's State and Revolution. He obviously dramatically revises this and believes that, a new um, authoritarian state is needed to push through the revolution. But the belief that the revolution would spread beyond Russia's borders initially uh, and would sweep away uh, the governments and the class systems of Europe and then the rest of the world meant that Lenin and Trotsky initially didn't see it as in particularly important to engage in negotiations with powers that would be inherently hostile and that would be swept away by their own uh, contradictions with their own societies. However, by 1919, many of these illusions had gone. The Bolsheviks didn't take Wilson's 14 points particularly seriously either, in terms of self-determination or discussions of peace, when there were British, French and American troops on Russian soil. It it didn't seem to be a particularly credible uh, thing to say. Um, Litvinov, Maxim Litvinov, um, who was the deputy to uh, Chicherin, who had replaced Trotsky as commissar for uh, foreign affairs, was far more kind of convivial when it came to dealing with um, the Western Allies. He had married a British woman, Ivy, Uh, Ivy Lowe, later Ivy Litvinov, um, who, was if you ever read her memoirs of Life in the Soviet Union, very, very revealing stuff. Um, And he sent a message to Wilson on Christmas Eve 1918 from Stockholm um, speaking in a language of uh, peace and humanity. Um, He said, the Russian people, he says in his uh, telegram, Hoped that um, Wilson's great principles of the fourteen points would be articulated and and uh, find their uh, expression in um, in the world, and in a very clever piece of uh, strategy, the uh, Litvinov essentially said to Wilson that the Allied military blockade of Russia and the Allied intervention had been part of the, um, the great misery that the Russian people had suffered. And perhaps if the Allied forces could be withdrawn from Russia, then the, the Bolshevik terror uh, might be able to end, as terror was really the, the means of the government uh, retaining control and holding the country to de- together. Wilson was actually very impressed by this, and so was Lloyd George. Uh, William Buckler, one of uh, Wilson's diplomats, was sent to speak to Litvinov when Buckler reported back. Um, Again, the evidence was encouraging the Soviet government, the new Soviet government, um, was ready to uh, negotiate and to talk in the interests of peace. And they were also willing, apparently... To pay some of the the debts that they owed or and had uh, repudiated and cancelled, um, well, and were perhaps even interested in opening up Russia to foreign trade. Russia would also drop its call for worldwide revolution, and um, it had simply made these demands in the past. So the Bolsheviks claimed to protect itself from firstly from Germany and then from the the Western Allies. So this gave Wilson and Lloyd George hope that the Bolsheviks would come to the meeting at Prinkipur. Um The two sides chose um, delegates to attend the meeting, and the Soviet government eventually replied on the 4th of February. And the answer's fascinating, really. The Bolsheviks made no attempt to attend the meeting, and they uh, managed to uh, avoid the issue of a ceasefire in Russia, which is one of the allied preconditions. Instead, they offered the uh, as they saw it the capitalist powers uh, material russia's material resources. This had happened during the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk, and it was in their in their analysis all the capitalists were interested in. Um, the idea that capitalist societies, as they saw it, worked in all sorts of different ways, and were, and that Lloyd George and Clemenceau were not simp, and uh, Wilson were not simply the pawns of wealthy industrialists, far from it. This it doesn't occur to them, and it mirrors Stalin's approach to Hitler in uh, 1939, in August 1939. During the uh, Molotov Ribbentrop Pact negotiations, the assumption that, again, the way you keep the enemy from your soil is you offer them things for their industries because ultimately that's what the capitalists are all about. This was a kind of a very reductive view of the West and one which, uh, in this instance, was inaccurate. The white emigres in Paris um, are very, very anxious and worried by these developments and very angry assuming perhaps with some justification that lloyd george and clemenceau and wilson were ready to make a deal with the bolsheviks and thus seal the fate of the white forces so i'm going to continue with um discussing russia over the christmas period but i've gone on for far too long now um i'm going to stop Uh, This has become tedious. Uh, And I will catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thanks very much. Drop by our Facebook page. Say hi. Join in the discussions that are happening there. And um, I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. And I shall be posting new stuff soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.